You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, finishing up our review of what we saw from NFL Sunday and Monday Night Football in Week 11. We'll start with the Giants and Buccaneers. Uh, we still have to hit some pretty important games. Uh, every every game's important, Matt, with this uh, yeah, seven-team no, no playoff field in each conference, 17 weeks of the season. There's going to be a lot of teams in it for a lot longer, maybe than they should be, actually, uh, when it comes down to it. But we've got Browns, Lions, uh, Jets, Dolphins, Washington at Carolina is a big one to cover. Bengals, Raiders, I think there's some things to learn from that football game. And Cardinals, Seahawks, one of those teams very much in the mix for the one seed. One of those teams, almost time to bury those Seattle Seahawks. But we got to start, Matt, with Monday Night Football. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers handling their business at home against the New York Giants, 30-10. to What did you see there that jumped out at you from Monday Night Football? Yeah, Brady was very sharp. Um, a lot of Gronk action. You can see, see us tell the bond between those two. They know where to go when the play breaks down. He's developed that with Mike Evans, too, who's the leading receiver. Caught a touchdown. That's most in Buccaneers history. He, he's now the, the top guy there. Uh, Godwin got involved, as usual. They didn't have to you know, really exert themselves. They didn't have to run the ball a ton, but they got a lot of favorable two high looks, and Brady just kind of picked them apart the whole time. His protection held up pretty well, and you know there there wasn't a ton of resistance for the, from the Giants, and a little disappointing, I guess, in the Giants. But um, their offense, you know, I've been harping all year. Boy, I want to see all their weapons together, and they were close in this one. But Barkley wasn't used as much as you would think. I mean, only six carries, and I think they're trying to work him in kind of slow. They only ran the ball thirteen times too, and three of them were from Jones. Um, they, they peppered Tony with targets and they actually had him throw a deep ball too on a trick play that was pretty, I mean, he can throw the football uh, as a, you know, unashamed Tony fantasy owner. I looked at that game going, boy, there was a lot more meat on the bone there. He has a lot of special qualities and Kenny Galladay is about as disappointing as I am excited about Tony. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, is there been a worse free agent signing in the offseason oh. than Kenny Galladay. And, yeah, just really not was Stafford. Like, you have to think that Stafford was a big part of his success. I know there's been some injuries there, but, man, yeah, there's too much talent on that Giants offense. And you have Ingram, two catches for 12 yards. Galladay, one catch for 12 yards. Um, it, you know, Shepard was out. Right, Shepard's out. Yeah. So there's opportunity everywhere. Tony moves differently than everybody. Slayton has been kind of lost, and, and so now there's so many bodies that um, even a guy like Slayton, who maybe deserves an opportunity, but there's Galladay and Ingram and everybody else and Barkley to get targets to, and Barkley at least caught six passes, but you know he had six carries for 25 yards. You can't get things going on the ground when you, um, when you fall behind in a game like that. So, yeah, just everything adds up to you know the Giants just don't have enough, and even though they have firepower on, on offense now, you got to start pointing the fingers at some other places like Daniel Jones in the picks and the coaching staff and, you know, GM. And you got to change it up because it's a few new bodies, some new faces in there, big free agents, rookies. And it's the same old story for New York. Yeah, it really is. And it doesn't change. And 
boy, I mean, there's a little hindsight here, but I didn't quite understand the signing when they did. But if they were to use Galladay's money on two professional interior offensive linemen, they'd be in a heck of a lot better shape. You know, I mean, it looks mm-hmm. like Thomas is going to be a player. I mean, I kept watching that game going, boy, if they could land like Lindenbaum, who's supposedly this awesome center out of Iowa. I mean, just the interior of the O-line is really a problem. And they didn't even have Vita Vea, and there was just constant push from the from the pass rush from the Bucks up up the middle and not moving any bodies in the run game from the, those interior trio. A couple of rookies for the Giants on defense. Quincy Roche out there making uh, making himself known. Six tackles. Um, I really I'm like unhappy the Steelers let him go. To be honest with you, are you those for him for his career? No, for my Steelers okay. love. <laughs> I, I, I was shocked he fell as far as he did in the draft. Yeah, and, you know they, they Steelers sure could have used him on Sunday night with some of the jokers they were throwing out there at outside linebacker. Yeah, I he's all uh, right. I, I I thought you said the opposite. I thought you said you're glad that the Steelers let him go, but the, no, I didn't. wasn't happy. With yeah, that getting rid of him for a six round pick, and then on the other side you got uh, Aziz Ojalari, who's been a nice find for the Giants. He he didn't make for a sure. huge impact in this game, but I like what I've seen there. But I still feel like there's something missing defensive playmaker wise for the New York Giants as well. They have a lot. They have a a pretty good, I would say, shell of a of a defensive unit and some good players but you know where's the impact where's the difference maker on that side of the ball too um yeah <laughs> one impact guy would go a long yes. way to elevating that whole defense yes, it yes, could di- be pretty pretty much at any position a dynamic probably up the middle front seven guy maybe you know corner yeah. corners are you know needed everywhere a really quick note here on the other side and nobody cares about our fantasy football teams Matt and this isn't in the Peacock and Williamson fantasy football league but i had in a long time league i play in I had Jonathan Taylor, fifty-one point nine points, and lost. Wow! It was the uh, the Hard Mike to Evans do. touchdown in this game that sealed it, and the the team I played against had, had the New England defense that got them oh, thirty-six yeah. points. Uh, Nick Chubb had a nice day. Darnell Mooney had a nice day. Um, Mike Evans, Adam Thielen, just you know, a lot of contributors across the board, and we had the two highest points, um, the point totals in the league this week. And unbelievable. I thought I was just in the clear after Sunday and after Jonathan Taylor. And no, that Mike Evans touchdown on Monday Night Football got him a couple points over me. And uh, that's uh, I, I would love to hear some bad beats from their fantasy football leagues out there if you had Jonathan Taylor and lost because it's really <laughs> hard lost. to do. Really hard to do. Real quick tangent. My main redraft league, it's the biggest money one. It's all my best buds from high school. And we go away Labor Day. I've told the story before. Uh, the biggest money goes to the overall point leader, which I love, not the Super Bowl champ. I'm the overall point leader, and there's a real legit chance I miss the playoffs. Like, I need to fire my defense coordinator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think we're, uh, we might be in the same situation the New York Giants in right now. Like, like let's, let's take a hard look and figure out what's going on here. All right. Anyway, Tampa Bay Buccaneers looking good at 7-3 atop the NFC South, and... Getting pretty close to punching their ticket to the playoffs. A couple games up in that division on the Saints and the Panthers. More takeaways from Week 11 coming up. Let's move on to some of these other games from Week 11. The Lions playing another team close. Coming up with another L, though. 0-9-1 on the season for the Lions. Falling to the Cleveland Browns 13-10. The Browns got all their 13 points in the second quarter. 6-5 record now. For the Browns, we kind of talked uh, yesterday about what that 
playoff picture looks like. And at six and five, you're still not looking that good for the playoffs in the AFC. In the NFC, that'd be a nice little place to be. But uh, Nick Chubb had a pretty good day there. Helped beat my fantasy football team with his 130 yards on the ground. And then a touchdown receiving there on a couple of receptions. And that was about it for that Browns offense. A couple of picks from Baker Mayfield and 176 yards passing. This was a, you know, sort of a grinded out snoozer of a football game for probably a lot of people watching TV. Pretty nasty. And I mean, Tim, Tim, Todd, Tim Boyle. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Tim. <laughs> but it's and, and I, mean, I think we have him coming back on Thursday night. Is that right? The matchup looking yeah. ahead is not great. It's Tim Boyle versus um, Thursday games are a little. Hold on, it's it's not a. Oh yeah, it's well, it's Tim Boyle versus Andy Dalton, Andy for, Dalton. The, for the Bears yeah. game. Yeah, that's what it is. Lions Bears for uh, th- Thursday morning. Ooh, that's the really early start for me on Thanksgiving. But anyway. Tim throws for seventy-seven yards, two picks, six point seven QBR. And they only lose by three points to the Browns. And frankly, <laughs> Baker wasn't much better. I mean, his QBR was 8.6 as opposed to 6.7. And I don't care that much about QBR. But right. my point here is I understand Baker's tough and he's a leader and all that. But he's got like eight injuries. Why not play Keenum? I mean, he had to do better than what Mayfield put out there. I think the Browns are just trying to get Baker Mayfield's price down in the offseason so they can actually resign. <laughs> maybe. Him. I don't know. Maybe they're uh, they're playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. But yeah, two single digit QBRs there. That was pretty ugly. Uh maybe this looks good for Jared Goffsey and Tim Boyle. Do even less. Maybe if Goff's in there they win a football game. I don't I don't know. I, he, and Goff's been about as bad as any starting quarterback in the league this year, but uh, at least they have DeAndre Swift who's doing huge things in his breakout season now in year two for him. 14 carries, 136 yards on the ground, and a touchdown. So that's where those Lions got those points. Yeah, and he's absolutely a breakout player, uh, a star, and he had a long run. He had a 50-some yarder in this game too. So that, that that changed the stats a little where Nick Chubb, his long was 15 and he ended up with 130. You know, you mentioned him in fantasy. This was a big time Nick Chubb game um, as it had to be because of the situation of their passers. And I'm sitting here looking at the box score. TJ Hawkinson's a good player. Jarvis Landry's a good player. But man, this is a bad group of pass catchers in this game all in all you know i mean those are the stars i just mentioned i mean right. Cooper's your leading receiver and Amon st brown's your second leading receiver like not a lot of dynamic action here yeah if, if you're a, a defensive back in the browns you're looking at this matchup and you're like all right cool i'm not even gonna have to match up against tj hawkinson uh i might get you know guys like raymond and igwa yeah, and yeah. and Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, it's like, well, okay, he's six feet tall, runs mid four fives. I can cover that, right? Four right. catches for 18 yards. Like, where do you uh, – maybe throw it to Swift more. He had three receptions, th- 14 carries. <laughs> maybe he should have gotten some maybe of even more, right. targets, although there wasn't many targets to go around when your quarterback throws for 77 yards. Yeah, I mean, the Browns controlled the time of possession. They won that by about 10 minutes. And they were the better team. It wasn't like the, the Steelers-Lions a week ago where – that was an equal ugly game. Cleveland was better than the than the Lions in this game, but it's not still a real ringing endorsement of where the Browns are at right now. It's funny. It's like the Browns go, okay, look, let's handle our business at home, give the ball to Nick Chubb 22 times and get out of right. here with the win. And then the Lions are like, well, let's hand it to our running back and maybe have the same 
game plan. Maybe we can beat a better team. No, we can't do it on the road. Yeah. Like, it's just it's not going to work for you. That's what they did in Pittsburgh last week, too. They just ran it a million times. They bring in six offensive linemen and you know, bang away. Two questions. Uh, big picture here. for or Big picture for the Browns this season. Is this a team that's going to make a run? Like, what are they doing here? I don't think so. No? I think the passing game is not going to be good enough this year. Okay. Especially with an injured Mayfield. Either get him right, right. or, yeah, because Keenum can handle it. I'm with you. This stretch of the the season is where you needed to get Mayfield as healthy as possible while Keenum keeps you above water. Then maybe, you know, you can do something that makes you better later. I don't know. Um, And maybe Mayfield's not hurt as bad, and we're giving him too much credit for that injury. But who knows? And And maybe he's just not very good. Even bigger picture for the Lions. Okay, let's say they got it. You know, GM, front office, head coach. They got that right. You know, they're playing hard for their head coach, even though they haven't won a single yeah, football game. That, that feels pretty good. But this roster is so terrible. How far away are they? And the problem is, let's even give them, the, let's assume they get the first pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you take Thibodeau. Great. You know, he could be, it's kind of like Miles Garrett when the Browns took him. You know, like, he may be a wonderful defensive MVP type player. But that's not really the position we needed first and foremost. You know what I mean? Like it, the offseason doesn't even set up wonderful for them to luck into a Lawrence or somebody like that. Um, I wanted to mention one little scheduling quirk with the Browns coming up here too. This week they go to Baltimore, then they're off, and then they host Baltimore. Like I think that's such an advantage for the Browns, you know, because the Baltimore's got to play one in between there. I actually think it's the Steelers. Hmm. That is yeah, they come to Pittsburgh in between. I mean, a lot of these these. Uh these playoff scenarios are going to play themselves out. And we'll talk about some of the matches that are good ones coming up actually even this week and in week 12. Here's the other part of the the Lions rebuild. Okay, so let's say you hit even number one overall pick. Let's say it's a quarterback or maybe you find a different quarterback or, you know, maybe you end up with two or something crazy. And, you know, whatever happens this offseason, Goff's not the guy, clearly. And you spend some free agent money and you nail that draft. Well, now even if you start to get good, you're probably a year away if you draft a rookie quarterback from him playing good football. Now you've got Hawkinson and Swift. They're going to be free agents, which are the only two good players you have on offense. So, you know, it doesn't line up when you have the running back first. The running back is like the last thing you want to add to it. 100%. Although I do think the line, the offensive line, is is really the building block of the Mm, team. There you go. And and I think that's a huge part of them keeping close with these games. You know, just play keep away because they know if the other team has the ball a lot, they're really screwed. So ground control, let's even keep it close and get a couple bounces. Yeah, you know, you get Ragnall back next year. Penny Sewell's back to playing really well. Decker's healthy. The line is good and they can play physical. They just don't have any receivers or they have no passing game, really. The Miami Dolphins go into New York and beat the Joe Flacco Jets 24-17. Dolphins now at 4-7, making their season respectable. The Jets at 2-8, playing like uh, the Jets that we have learned to know and love this year. Even with Flacco playing okay, 24-39 passing, 291 yards, and a couple of touchdowns, but uh, not enough against those Miami Dolphins. No, and... Kind of give the Jets credit, you know, like they, this was a pretty even football game. And there is something to be said for just a professional quarterback in Flacco. He's been around the block a million times. He's won a Super Bowl. He's seen it. He's done it. And the other Jets quarterbacks all year just haven't. So I think there's value in that. Speaking of quarterbacks, I mean, I don't think Tua is ever going to be a top 10 type of player. 
but he's been pretty darn good the last few weeks since he came back from injury when they were overseas in his last couple weeks. I mean, he's been fine behind a not very good offensive line. Uh, my favorite part of the game, to be honest with you, was my man Elijah Moore, uh, you know, blew up. I and mean, I know no one wants to hear about my fantasy team, <laughs> but I drafted Elijah Moore. At one point in the year, I cut him. And a couple weeks ago, I picked him back up because it's just breaking my heart that he's not on my team because I'm infatuated with the guy. And then on Friday, I cut him for Dante Foreman. I'm just like, I'm never going to start more. I'm just going to collect running backs late in the year. So, of course, my best bud, who I'm playing this week, picks up Elijah Moore Sunday morning because Amari Cooper has COVID, throws him in his lineup, and destroys me. <laughs> and now I'm not going to make it. Uh, I love what I'm seeing. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and feed Elijah but, Moore, too. Eight catches, 141 yards, and a I touchdown. Here's the guy that we've talked about, and he's one of your favorites. And, and I loved him, too. But you, I think you were, of all the folks I know, you were the number one like, cheerleader for Elijah Moore. This is the dude, the real dude. And, yeah, so a, a nice little building block piece there for the New York Jets. Um, f- interesting, the the Michael Carter usage. So he was he had a nice he little game running, though. and it's been the running part of his game that's been not as good. But uh, he was ad- averaging, what, six yards per carry, over six yards per carry in this game, nine carries, 63 yards, but wasn't as involved in the passing game this time. So um, that's that's frustrating usage there for Michael Carter there if they if you had him in your fantasy football league. But I'm probably look and Matt, you weren't wrong. Probably not smart to have a bunch of Jets offensive players on your fantasy football starting <laughs> roster anyway. That was part of the, yeah. the the crux of it all. And now Carter's hurt. He's gonna be out a couple of weeks. And the hot pickups in fantasy are Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson. Like I don't know that I'm going all in on those dudes. And then you mentioned Carter not catching as many passes. That was a Mike White thing. I mean, great for Mike White, but he was dump-off master. And I think Zach Wilson needs to take a page out of that book and start dumping the ball off yeah. and getting the ball out of his hands quicker, and, and, and I think that'll help his development quite a bit. Maybe that's what he's learning by sitting on the bench for this extended stretch now. And by the way, there was a one carry for 15 yards for Elijah Moore, so he was over 155 yards there all-purpose in this football game. One quick note on the other side, a classic Miles Gaskin game. I mean, he's got to be averaging two yards, two and a half yards per carry this season, and they're just running him and running him. 23 carries for 89 yards, and uh, it it almost doesn't matter what his yards per carry are. They just want to continue to run the football there, Um, and that's with he broke off a 20-yarder. So that means he had 22 carries for 69 yards with the rest of those touches. and but, Miami's won three in a row, though. I mean, let's give them a little bit of credit. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like that's yeah. the there. It's the right game plan. You know, it's the it's the, definitely the right game plan. I feel like Tua's almost getting to the point where he's in. He's being disrespected. To and I think he's going to be a nice budget pickup this off season when they when the Dolphins trade everything for for. Uh, uh, Watson, Deshaun Watson, if that trade actually ends up happening, I think a team could sneak in and get two, and he could be pretty good. Like maybe even like so. Let's say the your Steelers, Matt, they they go big for Steelers, some of these other the Lions, names, and you can't get Washington. Russell Wilson, right? And you can't get um, Aaron Rodgers, and it's like, oh, well, look, we could kind of quote unquote settle for Tua. Like that would be a not a terrible situation for both Tua and the Steelers, and a lot cheaper, and you can hang on to that first round draft pick. Exactly, I, I've brought his name up a few times, like. He might be, you know, you get him for like a second round pick and sign Marcus Mariota. Like, that's a lot better what the Steelers are playing with now. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. It's and it's covers, young and, you know, and covers in case of an injury and yeah. Sign a left tackle with the money you pay him Ben, you know I mean? All of a sudden like, okay, I can see something. You're even the lions. Like you said, I mean, the lions would kill for Tua right now. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. All right. What are we looking at here? How about those Philadelphia Eagles putting up 40 points on the new Orleans saints, Matt? We, we tried to bury the Eagles last week and now they show up here, beat the saints and, we can't put them away now. And the Saints no. are in a bad situation with quarterback. Our own Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints right here on the network. Maybe we should get him on some point time too soon to talk about this Saints team. But uh, his takeaway after the game was, you got to do something else at quarterback. But, you know, is, is Hill they the guy? did sign Taysom Hill to a deal since we got together again. I didn't know he was even contract eligible Wait, again. no, because like, they just signed him, I thought, to a deal where it was like, why are you paying him that too. much money? And then he signed some other deal yesterday, and I didn't click on it or pay attention. I'm like, is that right? Is that the same T. Hill I'm thinking of? Like, uh, I, I, I know they gave him a lot of money, and they restructured it. I mean, we, yeah. we mentioned in a few of these games just how bad the skill guys are. No one's worse than the Saints. I mean, when Mark Ingram's your best skill position player, and I kind of like Troutman, too, and he's coming on. You're not going to win many games in this league. I mean, the Saints are just vastly undermanned. And that's not selling Philly short at all. I mean, they've been really growing on me. I think Hertz is better than I thought, you know, at a minimum. They know who they are. They found their identity. They ran the ball 50 times in this game, 50 times, and we're up pretty much from the start. Um, they're not bad. I mean, and people sleep on the, the Eagles offensive line because it's been so hurt the last couple of years. They, they, you know, they just throw Landon Dickerson in the mix and Lane Johnson's healthy and Kelsey and um, Malata that they developed. I mean, that's a killer O-line. It's amazing because Dillard hasn't been the guy, but Malata became the guy instead. So sort of fortuitous yeah. there. And you're right. Yeah, they're built around that offensive line and, and, and that's the way they're going to win football games and that's how they won this football game. Uh, really no quick. one runs on the Saints. <laughs> These guys, yeah. ran, they put up 242. On That's the, what I'm surprised right? about because the Saints, I thought, ah, you know, it, of all the playoff hopeful teams, they might have the worst quarterback plus receiving weapons option, especially with a banged-up Alvin Kamara. I don't know if they're a playoff team. And so that's they're what makes me think that they're here. not going to be one that makes it in, but they have so much talent elsewhere on the team. But, man, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to allow 40 points against the, the Eagles, then there's no shot. And so they it really feels like they're going in the wrong direction right now. And I don't know if Hill's a savior for them, even if they went to Taysom Hill full-time quarterback, because that's not – I don't think – I don't know. But anyway, I'm looking at this restructure and this extension. So Ben uh, – <laughs> they're just they're just pushing their cap hit down the road is what they're doing. Now. I assumed so, that was what happened. Um, no there was going to be a potentially an $8.9 million dead money hit next spring for Hill because his contract, because of the way they structured it last time, had a uh, avoidable – it would have been voidable for Hill. So if he voids that, that would have been a $8.9 million dead money hit. So they extended him with a whole bunch of incent incentives and um, – it looks like so it was two years, twenty-one million. He signed last year, which was surprising in itself. Lot, now yeah. this deal could be worth up to ninety-five million dollars if Hill becomes the Saints' starting quarterback over the next four years. Uh, it's uh. going to pay him forty million over the next four, otherwise. So somewhere between forty and ninety-five. But I have a feeling he he could be cut in the next couple of years, and it only becomes like eight million. You know, it's it's one of those kind of a deals, and it's all salary cap gymnastics. And the, the Saints are are the best in the league at it. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, no one maxed off their credit cards like the Saints. And they, they just kicked the can and kicked the can. Fine. And I know he was battling an injury, but you just laid out all his numbers. I think he was active for this game and didn't touch the ball once. <laughs> you know, in the game they were losing the whole time. That's, hey, let's say this nothing, guy to him. And all their points were garbage time. They still didn't touch the ball once. Yeah, he didn't touch the ball once. We just lost 29 to 40. Let's sign this guy to a four-year, $95 million extension. Right, Pretty right. Amazing. I mean, this game was over. I mean, it was, <laughs> what, 29 to 7 after the third quarter? I mean, all, everything the Saints did was garbage time. Uh, I mean, in the Saints D, again, they're big, physical, downhill, tough-ass D. They're on the field the whole game. You know I mean? Like, they're, they're, the dam's going to crack, and they were, they got beat up. I don't feel. I, I came out of this game still not feeling super strong about the Eagles, but they absolutely had to have that one and help themselves quite a bit now. And they're only one. They're they're tied in the win column, one back in the loss column. Haven't had their bye yet, so the the Eagles definitely have that opportunity to be in this playoff race in the NFC. The Saints are right there with them. They're five and five. And actually, if the season ended today, the Saints by tiebreakers would still have the seven seed in the playoffs. But I just feel like they're going in the wrong direction. I don't feel strong about either one of these teams of the of the five teams we talked about last week i'd probably put them four and five of those uh teams most likely to make the playoffs i'd have the niners vikings who play each other this weekend and the panthers ahead of them yeah i think the eagles are better than the saints i mean not late breaking news we just talked about the game the saints have buffalo dallas they still have to go to tampa they still have carolina i mean the eagles go uh where did i just lost that a second there go giants jets by I mean, that could be really nice. Mm. Washington Giants, Washington, Dallas, who might be sitting people at that point. Okay, speaking of Washington, Washington trying to creep in there. This was a big win for them. Four and six now being the Panthers. We'll get to that one next, along with Bengals Raiders, Cardinals Seahawks, and close the book on week 11. It's Thanksgiving, and we all know what that means, football, and nothing goes better with football than turkey and of course, betting. Bet Online has you covered all holiday season. More props, more odds, and more lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with promo code locked on to receive that bonus. Some tasty lines for this Thanksgiving Turkey Day football feast bears at lions in the morning you've got raiders at cowboys which should be fun and bills at saints some barometers for some teams fighting for their playoff lives there in las vegas and uh, new orleans and maybe even the buffalo bills who might even be on the outside looking in at this point if they don't uh, figure out what they're doing a team that should probably be a one seed in the afc is now an eight seed currently they've got to handle some business in prime time thursday night and it's not just football at bet online pro and college hoops nhl boxing ufc and your favorite casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2021 season bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online stuffed with deals this thanksgiving Ooh, those Carolina Panthers, uh, this was a tough one for them to lose, but they're getting Cam Newton back and into the mix. 
I thought early the Panthers might take control of this game. They scored first. The Washington football team came roaring back and ended up holding on with Taylor Heineke to defeat those Panthers 27-21. The Panthers now at 5-6 and six and have some teams they need to leapfrog, even though I feel good about them the rest of the way with Cam Newton now who should only get better and better. And it's exactly what that Panthers team needed. Look, just... Let me just throw this line for Cam Newton. Look, this is the second week he's been there. He was there for a couple days before he, right, he right. had made an appearance last week. Cam Newton, 21 of 27 passing, 189 yards. You know, not big production, but efficient. Two touchdowns, and here's the one, zero interceptions. Sam Darnold's throwing games away. Cam Newton's not going to do that, and he brings a little extra. And, you know, had a really nice throw to Christian McCaffrey, who was their leading rusher and leading receiver in this football game. They will utilize him a ton. And then now that opens things up maybe on the outside. You can make some big throws occasionally to Robbie Anderson, who can get deep, and DJ Moore, who can do everything for your football team. And, you know, mixing in Tremble and mixing in the rookie Terrace Marshall. So uh, I really like where this offense now is headed in Carolina. And I already liked where their defense was. Is it too late to get things fixed, though? Now they're sub 500 and they dropped this one to Washington. The big loss for the playoff hopes. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And we're right. Washington's still in it. Um, two other notes on Newton. He had a long touchdown run. You know, great. I mean, he looks like the same, basically, type of runner we're used to. And you mentioned him targeting McCaffrey. I mean, it seemed like just time and time again, option route, quick hitter to McCaffrey. I mean, Newton's no dummy. Like, I'm kind of new here. I'm learning the offense, but... That running back that runs routes like Wes Welker, I'm just giving him the ball over and over and let him, you know, let him take care of business. Um, wasn't quite enough. Washington controlled the clock. And I thought Panthers, I expected a little more out of the Panthers D, but this was, you know, Heineke's just like Fitz. I mean, he's a total roller coaster. He threw three inter- or three touchdowns or zero interceptions, but easily could have thrown a couple picks and got away with it. I mean, he's a fun, active, risky player. And they ran the ball well. They ran for 190 yards collectively, and that that was enough. You know, McLaurin had a big game. Um, big win for Washington. Big win. Washington is just good enough to not make the playoffs, but play spoiler, right? Maybe they played. Maybe they yeah. just spoiled the Panthers' season. They have that opportunity to spoil the Eagles' season. You mentioned earlier, looking at that Eagles schedule the rest of the way. I feel like that's their role this year, just to play the heel and screw everything up for everybody they play against, but not going to be good enough to make the playoffs. I think you're probably dead on on that. Um, we talked about the Giants before, and I'm not lumping them with the Giants, but the Panthers' O line really should be the offseason, uh, you know, problem yep. you know, problem to try to fix. They 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 threw some bad money at some bad linemen this offseason, and Washington, even without Chase Young, really owned the line of scrimmage. And it's tough because they'll get their their cornerback they drafted in the first round, J.C. Horn, back next year, but mm-hmm. then you still have to look at quarterback beyond. Cam Newton next offseason, yeah, so that's yeah, yeah. that's a big one too. So still some work to do for the front office there with the Carolina Panthers. Although I like a lot of the things they did, except for that quarterback. Like they were just sitting there in the draft, and they had the opportunity right, to get it. their quarterback, and they went the Sam Darnold route. That was that was the the big mistake so far for the Carolina Panthers. Although they might have bandaided that mistake to finish off this season. Yeah, and maybe Newton's back, and you live one more year. The, they, they doubled down on the Darnold mistake, though, and picked up his fifth-year option. So he's get he's guaranteed like $18 million next year with the Panthers. So it's like you can't even like cut him and use his money. Oh, yeah. Well, Ouch. I, I try to put every quarterback on the Steelers. How about Sam Darnold, man? I'm good on that. No. <laughs> a year ago, you could have convinced me to yeah. take a shot. I least. think, yeah, uh, this, this year, more than anything, two quarterbacks, Sam Darnold and Jared Goff, it's just like, okay, 
Yep. I think I know that I don't want them. Now. Yeah. The, the, you could have blamed the first team, but and it, with Goff's case, you can't blame the first team, and you, you probably can blame the second team, but he's been you know among the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Darnold's just the same old guy, and all of the, the warts he showed in USC, even back in college, just coming through yeah. in the NFL. And so, yeah, kind of. Okay. I mean, I'd well, rather roll the dice on Trubisky or Mariota than that. Yeah, those. unknowns that are maybe cheaper right. and, or draft picks or whatever. Out of mind. Haven't done anything bad in a while. What do we do about these Las Vegas Raiders now? And I think you put a fork in them. I think you have to. At 5-5 five and five now, they're still a 500 football team, and they're still in it, and they will be in it for a while mathematically, but I think the Bengals and Raiders were in similar, similar situations. It's like, okay, let's go. Let, let's see something here. Prove to me you're a playoff team. The Bengals went on the road and won a big game against the Raiders, 32-13. to 13. They improved to 6-4. and four. This was a pretty massive game for both of these teams and their playoff hopes this year, and I think just too much to overcome now for the Raiders. And, you know, for a few weeks you can say, okay, us against the world, let's go win some football games, and now, okay, you don't have your full coaching staff. You don't have your full complement of players on offense or defense now, and it's, it's going to be too much for those Raiders. Yeah, and then they go to Dallas on Thursday, and they still have to go to Kansas City, and they got a tough schedule ahead. You know, the division is difficult. I think they're one of the AFC teams you can look at and be like, that might have been the end. Um, but the Bengals aren't. And I spent the whole morning doing Bengals homework because it's Steelers-Bengals this week, so I'm really digging into this team. The Bengals' defense was dominant in this game. I mean, the Raiders had like a drive, and that was about it. They were really, really good coming off the bye. And, you know, it got to the point where the first half they weren't having much success running the ball, and it was a pretty even game. And they just stuck with Mixon, and he was just a total workhorse and just blew up in the second half and destroyed the Raiders. I mean, they ran away from this game. They outscored them 22-7 to in the second half. Is it me, or are we just seeing some really low numbers for passing totals? Right now, is this just yeah, winter? Is this just the the weather and the winter, like factoring in here? 148 passing yards for Joe Burrow, even though scored 32 points, you would expect more output there. But you just laid it out: 30 carries, 123 yards, and a couple of touchdowns for Joe Mixon, just leaning on the ground game. And then the Raiders, who couldn't lean on the ground game because of the scoreboard and because their ground game's just not been good. Uh, Derek Carr still only had 215 yards passing, so it's, it's just there's not a lot of throwing output, aerial output. Uh, this week, and you see big games from guys like Swift and Chubb and um, Eckler and um, Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, of course. And right, yeah, this right. is the this is the portion of the season that old school football coaches start, you know, rubbing their hands together. And they're like, all right, this is my kind of football. This is why we always talk about the big ones up front and our lines and our offensive line, our defensive line. This is when we want to want to run the football and go win some cold weather football games. I think you're 100 percent right. You know, I mean, it's. Well, if you're going to play all this cover two and cover four and not have loaded boxes, we're just going to keep running it. And you know, the, across the league, I'm talking about. And we've had, we've seen a lot of backup quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, kind of Tim Tom Boyle, whatever, you know, those type of guys that shouldn't be in there lately. We've had kind of a rash of not starting quarterbacks in games, you know, even like that Ravens game, uh, there was a Browns game. I mean, Baker probably shouldn't have been out there. But we, we had some, some off-season conversations. This was so predictable, but the Ryan, the Raiders blowing up their offensive line, they couldn't protect Carr at all. Like You could see this coming three months ago. That was one of the most head-scratching front office decisions in the off-season. That was the strength of their team, build around the offensive yeah. line. Okay, I like it. And how does that make you better? I didn't really understand that at all. Maybe a... a 
maybe a, a Raiders fan out there at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL can explain what was happening with those decisions in the offseason. I'm sure there was some salary cap implications with some expensive offensive linemen because they did have some uh, a ton of veteran players. Yeah. There, but yeah, and they were older. Yeah, you know, you know. some of those guys are playing great for other football teams, right? Right. Well, and the key is. I know we got to get moving here, but like everyone knows the book on Carr going back to Fresno State. And the Raiders were so smart to build a line because he doesn't handle pressure as well. I mean, he's much different protected versus not, you know, goffs like that. And most quarterbacks are, but his is a little extreme. So wisely, they invested in all these offensive linemen. And then they got rid of them all. <laughs> I was like, eh. and, and Leatherwood's and, no good, and, you know. And one of those offensive linemen, Rodney Hudson, uh, Bo Brock and Alex Clancy of Locked On Cardinals have have been glowingly talking about how impactful Rodney Hudson was to the Cardinals' like offensive the line. In the fixing league, too. Yeah, and he's one of those that the Raiders lost. Makes no sense. And now we're sitting here yeah. talking about these nine and two Cardinals who beat the Seahawks twenty three thirteen last game of the week. Here, let's finish up week eleven. Uh, the Seahawks at three and seven now. Essentially, if it wasn't for the Lions, they'd be the worst team in the NFC right now. Like, the Seahawks are yeah. bad. And this is the second week with Russell Wilson that they're playing like this. Like, uh, they, they, there is something maybe brewing with the Seahawks. And, man, if they get rid of Russell, Russell Wilson this offseason and it just feels like that's the direction this is going, they're sure not going to get better in the short term, that's for sure. But is that the right move? I don't know. But, hey. You're one seed Arizona Cardinals, nine and two under Colt McCoy too. They don't even need Kyler Murray. They went two and one with Colt McCoy this season. Colt McCoy was much better than Wilson in this game. And I do think Wilson definitely came back early. 40 minutes of time of possession without Seattle turning the ball over. I mean, the Cardinals had the ball the entire day and were highly, highly efficient. I mean, I can't help but think the same thing in Seattle. It's like, Oh, by the way, you don't have your first-round pick that could be in the top five because you had to have Jamal Adams. And I would be like, man, let's move Wilson for three firsts, maybe tell Pete Carroll to get on with his life's work, go find some 38-year-old young coach and start this thing over. Because, I mean, besides DK Metcalf and Wilson aside, who's a young building block on this team? I mean, Bobby Wagner's done. You know, I mean, Adams isn't. You know, Brooks, the first-round pick linebacker from a couple years ago, probably is. Yeah. But they have no foundational young first-contract guys. I mean, they need to really evaluate what they're doing. Yeah, and that's what's so difficult because if you don't swing some big trade – and get a bunch of draft picks back, it's going to be that much harder and slower to rebuild this thing, and that roster needs a ton of rebuilding. And the best way to do that is get three first-round picks for your quarterback. And if you don't, then you do you just hang out in mediocrity with Russell Wilson? Although we've kind of fought this about the Seahawks for a while with that roster. He's and, overcome it every year. Yeah, yeah, and he's always overcome it. Now, it's not happening. Geno Smith had to go in there and play some quarterback, and Russell Wilson's not maybe 100%. And you're really seeing like, okay, well, there, there's nothing else here. And if you can't get the ball out to Lockett and Metcalf, then you're really in trouble. And um, They are. And really, this happened the second half of last year, too. Mm-hmm. This didn't, didn't happen just this week. I mean, no one's allowing Lockett and Metcalf, especially Metcalf, to get behind them. You know, we are not giving you the deep ball. We're doubling Metcalf. And if you're going to beat us with Collins and Penny and those type of dudes, DJ Dallas, right. I mean, okay, best of luck. And we've had a lot of team building talk today. I mean, 
obviously trading all that for Adams doesn't look good. But, I mean, how many first-round picks did Mel and Todd and you and I roll our eyes out when they, you know, roll our eyes out when they draft Penny and Collier? And oh. I mean, their first-round picks haven't been good anyway. Yeah, their second-round picks have been better than their first-round picks. So you yeah. might as well give those up. But that's not really a great <laughs> – that's not really a great plan either. Doesn't make uh, it right, yeah. Are the Cardinals going to hold on to this one seed, Matt? Uh, it was a really good move at the deadline to add Zach Ertz. He had a couple of touchdown catches in this really one. Good. Eight catches, 88 yards. It even looks better adding Zach Ertz when you have to uh, roll with Colt McCoy for an extended period of time because that's just like a, a, a perfect weapon for Colt McCoy and his style of quarterback play. And, oh, yeah. How about Rondale Moore getting 11 catches in this one? He didn't really break much. Uh, it was 11 for 51 yards, but they tried to work him in and get that short passing game going. A lot, a couple things there I want to address. I mean, I think Moore is such a dynamic player. And if you look at all the, the wide receivers that have X amount of targets or whatever, his A dot is by far the lowest in the league. It's like 1.2. I mean, everything is at the line of scrimmage or a step past it. It might be time to actually start using him on crossing routes and outs and things like that. But I can't forget. He is 5070. He's not five foot yeah. and an eight. He is five seven. And that's, you know, he is fun to watch, though. Um, as for the Cardinals, this is a huge win because McCoy was great and now they have their bye. So I would assume you'll see 100% Kyler for that last stretch. And I think they probably yeah, they have a real good chance to be the one seed. Good stuff. We got to get out of here, Matt. We're going to start taking a look at that week 12 schedule, a short week for us. We're going to have one fewer show. So four shows this week. We're going to cover some of those Thanksgiving games tomorrow. Then we'll come back to end the week looking at uh, the Sunday and Monday night football games for week 12. And we'll how about some of your questions? What are your thoughts as we head into yeah, yeah. the Thanksgiving and later portion of this 2021 football season at BD Peacock on Twitter at Williamson NFL. As always, thanks everybody for making us your first listen every day. Be back tomorrow right here. Peacock and Williamson.